Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for your patience. Welcome to the Brand Identity Design Podcast. Uh, I'm your host. And we are currently doing this series uh, called as The Dark Side of Entrepreneurship. The aim of the show is to educate more entrepreneurs about some of the adversities and challenges involved in this business game. And we want to create more awareness. And uh, I, I think through my guest stories, which are very, very powerful, we are able to achieve that. Now, I want to personally thank all my listeners who are actually uh, you know, showed up on Clubhouse as well as on LinkedIn. We currently have 19 individuals actually hearing us live on LinkedIn and about roughly uh, six of us are currently on Clubhouse. I would definitely recommend you guys to invite more of your friends to join this conversation. We're going to have we have an amazing guest and uh, we also have a very good topic to discuss and explore further. Now, people who are actually new to this show, I, I want to let you know, let you guys know the format of the show. So we're going to have like a one on one conversation between uh, me and my guests for the first 30 or 40 odd minutes. Post that we will take a small break have like a question and answer round with the audience. So yes, if you have uh, questions for my guests, feel free to park those questions and feel free to raise your hand and come up later on uh, so that you can clarify some of your doubts or contribute to the conversation. And towards the end of the show, we will allow our guests to promote her business and speak about, uh, you know, her vision. And that's, you know, closing remarks, stuff like that. So that would be the format of the show. And uh, I want to take a moment and actually thank all my listeners from India, North America and Canada. We really appreciate your love and support which you have provided me all this time. And if you do like the content uh, which I'm creating on my podcast, feel free to actually go to Spotify, Apple or Google, whichever platform you're comfortable with. Uh, give it a follow. Do leave a review if you if you like so. That really encourages and motivates me to continue uh, producing this content. Uh, something which you guys are not really aware of, the podcast is actually live. Uh, that means uh, whenever you come up to have any sort of conversation, you're giving us verbal consent to go ahead and proceed by you know using this recording uh, to be broadcasted uh, to be published as a podcast. So anyway, I don't want to take too much uh, of your time. I want to actually speak about the evolution of content creation first. And then I'm going to speak about the global content marketing share. So the first sign of content marketing, or you can say the early adoption of it, it can be seen in 4200 BC uh, on in cave paintings. And uh, when I actually did a little deep dive, I realized it loosely translates to six ways a spear can save you from a wild boat. I tried actually looking, uh, you know, for this imagery, but I really couldn't find anything on this in on the Internet. So I, I thought, you know, that was really fascinating. I wanted to really share that. 
the evolution, let's actually move around uh, the 1900s. In, in the late 1900s, Michelin developed the Michelin Guides. Now, today, this is known as the Michelin Star Rating. So, the Michelin Brothers came up with this idea to encourage more drivers and motorists to make longer journeys to find best meals and buying more tire tires in the process. Now, in Procter & Gamble, is the first company to sponsor daytime serial dramas on radio in 1930s to advertise their products to housewives. Now, I, I think they called it soap operas, and that's the origin. Uh, on September 17th of 2010, Procter & Gamble owned soap operas ended its final run. In 1982, Hasbro partnered with Marvel to create G.I. Joe, a pop culture phenomena as we know today. Uh, it turned out to be a revolution in toy marketing. And it was the first comic book to be ever advertised on TV, later led to a cartoon series. Now, in 1996, Place Where, a spin-off of Xerox, Park Lab Laboratory started offering web conferencing services. In 2003, it was acquired by Microsoft, and today we see this service called as Microsoft Live Meetings. I think it's good to know insights. Now, in 2006, and then we are still focusing on the evolution, guys. You know, pay, please pay attention. In 2006, Nike partnered with Apple that changed the way how people run using a product that maps and tracks progress, which is really cool. In 2008, a handbook uh, named Get Content, Get customers was released on content marketing ideas in 2011 content marketing books really flooded the market in 2020 uh, coca-cola released content 2020 marketing plan which focuses on branded storytelling at the center of coca-cola's marketing initiative and i personally uh, you know went through this content by coca-cola and i like the part of 70 2010 content plan i would highly encourage you guys uh, to actually read about this you should be able to find this online now content marketing market share guys this is something which i want to really address is this is expected uh, to increase by 487 billion from 2021 to 2026 and this is expected to have a market share of uh, this is expected uh, to grow at a accelerate at a compound annual growth rate of 15.8%. Now some of the key key, uh, key players in the content marketing game are Adobe which is my favorite being a designer then we have HubSpot and then we have Salesforce. Now, Asia Pacific will register the highest growth rate, 38% among other regions. Therefore, content marketing in Asia Pacific is expected to garner significant business opportunities for vendors during this forecast period. Now, paid, paid advertisement is important to 68% of marketers, according to HubSpot. I just went through an article which I really found fascinating. Uh, but, you know, when I, when I actually did a little more research, I also realized more than half a billion people worldwide have installed ad blockers. Uh, on their smartphones, tablets, computer, so, so that they don't have to be exposed to online ads. Now, I will have all these references listed on my show notes once the podcast is up. So today's topic, today's topic is season two, episode 21, content overload and is content really king? I'm going to be speaking with Ainsley Murphy and uh, 
we will t- we will talk about content overload myths truths and reality if content is really king uh, and can there be something called as too much of it now anzi murphy i want to actually formally introduce her she is an entrepreneur a marketer founder of peach creative limited a regular speaker and contributor at the social media exchange and the marketing cafe over clubhouse uh, anzi uh, is a passionate marketer uh, for digital space and by creating engaging content content her experience varies from strategic and creative planning alongside implementation analysis and pr management throughout her career anzri has worked across many industries including finance education fine dining fashion fitness healthcare now in 2021 uh, she founded peach creative a heart led marketing agency devoted to building brands that matter so i just want to welcome anzri thank you so much anzri uh, you know for accepting my request at, in such a short notice and to be here and discuss the truth about content is content really king let's actually uh, go ahead with my first signature question which i ask most of my entrepreneurs what is your aha moment and what inspired you to become a marketer could you tell us about your journey sure of course i can first off though just jason um thank you for having me uh it was really nice to be invited on uh, and i'm sure this will be a really interesting conversation i love talking about content um i could i could talk about it all day to be honest but yeah my aha moment was a little bit um accidental i didn't really know what i wanted to be really um and when i left school i started when i went to uni and i started to do a degree in acting and in english literature to case i decided that course wasn't really for me so i left there after a year took a year out worked in some really awful call center jobs <coughs> and it <coughs> excuse me and then went back to uni and i studied commercial music when i was studying commercial music the the real idea was to come out and be a performer of some type so when i was younger i was heavily involved in theater schools i was in choirs um i was in bands all that kind of stuff so that really was the plan but i did want a degree because i wanted something to be able to fall back on and when we were in uni they taught us loads of interesting things i wrote an essay about beyonce one time it was all super interesting but the one thing they didn't teach us how to do was to get a job in the music industry they never told us how to actually get a job and be able to kind of sustain ourselves financially. So when we came out of uni, a lot of people who were on my course kind of were faced with the same problems. It was, okay, so do we stick with music and be the stereotypical starving artists or do we take what's a really kind of creative based degree and interest and try and merge that into something that we can take into the quote unquote corporate world. So I jumped about from a lot of different jobs and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and then I started seeing jobs more so for companies that I wanted to work with so I would see things like jobs for um influencer teams and content teams and social media teams and I would I didn't have the experience to do it so I, what I'd done was I eventually started learning about a lot myself we we done a year of marketing and our degree but I, i started to learning a lot on my own so i done things like digital garage i used to um 
pick a company once a week. So I would pick like Coca-Cola, for example. And what I would do is I would write a pitch for Coca-Cola. It wasn't going anywhere. It was it was just for practice. But I would write a pitch or I would write out some campaign ideas or I would make some content. I would do something that would let me kind of think about different companies and, and why they do certain things in marketing. So I'd constantly be reading theory, but I would also be trying to put that theory into practice. And I kind of realised if you want a job in marketing, you need to be quite creative and getting it sometimes as well. So what I started doing was I started doing really kind of personalised CVs to different companies. I would make them videos. I would make them content. Um, I'd show them why they should kind of hire me instead of telling them why they were they were hiring me. Essentially, I was I had a, my own little content strategy for getting a job. And it kind of went from there. Um, I've jumped about lots of different industries purposefully. I wanted to get in and about as many different teams as I could and learn as much as I could in as quick a time as I could. Um, and I kind of just moved myself up from there. So I went from influencer uh, outreach assistant to social media assistant to social media exec to marketing exec to marketing manager to head of marketing to um, to now where I work in at an advertising agency and I've also got Peach Creative, which is my own agency. So I don't know if I really had an aha moment or just a... How do I get to work every day and still be creative every day? And I hope that wasn't as boring as it sounded <laughs> in my head. It was not. <laughs> a, I, I think the accidental journey was the aha moment from what you just said. Wow, you know, you did actually had a roller coaster ride, you know, from leaving it your was. course, uh, having those call center jobs getting into music, figuring out that was not really cool, you know, it was not really something uh, which you really enjoyed. Uh, then, uh, you know, you got into creative side of things, social media, marketing, other stuff, and, and you slowly, gradually, you know, got a hold of it and you were progressing day in and day out. And you finally reached a stage wherein you can have your own firm. That is really cool. Very, very powerful. This actually speaks into, you know, something which I always uh, share on my show. Life is more like experimenting. You know, sometimes it's very challenging to really figure out what you're really good at. You know, just try new, new things and see which works out for you well. So Ainsley, thank you so much for answering that question. I really am interested in knowing... You know, some of the early challenges you experience while building up your business, because, you know, having a job offers you security, a lot of other factors, right, which you can take advantage of. But when you actually move away from that, and once you start actually building a business by uh, by yourself, you know, it can be daunting. So could you share some of those early challenges? How did you overcome them? And what did you learn from it? It's kind of a three part question. Yeah, sure. I'd, I feel like I'm still, and I don't think there'd be many people in any business who would say that they've learned everything and they're not faced with another daunting task after they go over the, the first one. Um, Probably since, definitely since I started Peach, I've been learning new things about myself personally, daily, weekly, monthly, that directly affect how I am and how my business works um which is a strange thing because before you go out on your own you're kind of you're led by someone else so you're told what to do and that's fine you tick your to-do list off and that's it done whereas when it's yourself that comfort's taken away so that kind of 
safety blanket of well I never set that task or I didn't make that decision it's on you so you need to make those decisions and that can be quite daunting I'm quite happy to stand at a board meeting and say that this is why we should do a specific type of campaign and I can be fierce about it if I have to be but if you ask me um, about my own business sometimes I can be quite timid and I think that's because although I spent so much time and perfecting and learning about what it is that I actually do what I've not spent as much time on is how to run a business and how my personality acts with running a business as well so there's there's people in the audience like Tiggs for example um I'll tell you we we share a room every Wednesday and Friday and I say it all the time but I find that it's really quite difficult to market myself so I find that really difficult I'm so used to being on the other side of the behind the scenes I'm so used to telling other people what to do or implementing it from a point of creating graphics or creating video where I can hide behind a company name Um, and I find that a lot harder to do that's something that I'm still actively overcoming just now um, and it's still something that makes me quite nervous which is which is quite interesting because I'm not a nervous person in the slightest it's just in this situation I find that this specific situation sets sets my nerves off a little bit and that's fine and when we look at it we see that loads of people feel that way and they feel that way because you sit and you think you really probably although you want to create a business you sit and you think but is anyone actually going to want to work with me and am I making the right decisions and am I pricing myself right and I think a lot of it comes down to kind of really being quite authoritative with yourself, which can be difficult when you don't have a boss, when you're acting as your own boss um, and saying that actually your decisions, you can justify them. It's the same as with a, your content marketing, for example. The first thing I always say to people, the first thing I should be able to ask you is, why are you doing that? The first thing I should be able to say to you is, what purpose does that serve? And it's almost the same as with your business um I should be able to justify to myself why I'm doing something so that's been a really big thing another big thing with it is being and this might just be a marketing problem in general um I've spoken to other marketers about it who've had similar similar um situations and I think it might just be a an industry issue but there seems to be people who want to hire marketers or hire freelancers or agencies and they have they almost go into it with a set idea in their head already so instead of just knowing their goal and instead of knowing their business and then bringing in a marketeer to build that into a campaign or to build that into a one-off project or something longer standing whatever it may be but they've kind of already got the exact idea they want to go with in their head at that point in time and whether or not that's the best option for them or that's just the option they know or that that's just what somebody else has told them and that's then what's stuck in their head it can sometimes be really difficult with a client to get that fixation out their head and it can be sometimes be quite difficult to let them understand that actually there's other ways we can go about this is that going to be the best way to do it in terms for your spend, for your brand, for your conversion? Is there another way that we can do that? And I think probably the biggest thing to overcome with that one was how you actually communicate it. And I think 
when you know about something, it's really easy to just talk a million miles an hour because you're on a roll, you know what you're doing. What I found when I started Peach was that really the more simply and the more that you can break something down, the better it is for a client and the more trusting a client will be with you because they feel like you're actually taking the time to explain to them. And I, I'd messed up on that once and then kind of came back to it and I was like, right, okay, how can I look at that better? Um, and how could we have dealt with that better? So they're probably the two the two biggest things. I love that, share, And I, I think you brought a lot of important points is that when you actually pivot, you know, move away from regular job to entrepreneurship, you do definitely have to wear a lot of caps and learning how to do sales for yourself can be very daunting too. Uh, because you change yourself from the equation now probably you can come up with ideas for somebody else but when you when the decision uh, you know is on you and whatever decisions you take does affect your business overall you know that is really scary so i deal with that too ainsley so we are kind of in the same boat and i think most entrepreneurs uh, experience the same thing i also like the fact what you said uh, that you know I think this is a common problem because many business owners do approach agencies, uh, you know, thinking that they know the problem and they're not really allowing marketers or designers to explore and diagnose the problem to see if it's actually the problem. And uh, yeah, you know, that can be really hard. It can be very uh, challenging to deal with that. So I appreciate all that share. You know, I actually want to move on to uh, my next question. And I think that's what people here are for. Now, we all know content is the fuel that powers the Internet. Now, help us understand based on your professional experience, Ainsley, what is actually a content and what is the sole purpose of creating content? That's Pandora's box of questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Content in itself is super, it's a super, super simple um, process. It literally just means that we take our messaging or we take something that we want to communicate and we essentially package it in a way that communicates it to other people, to a target audience preferably. So whether that be a blog, a video, a static post, a carousel, a newsletter, an email, whatever it might be, they're all, they're all seen to be content. The sole purpose in my opinion because I think it should underpin all of the other reasons for it being there is to communicate a certain message to that person so we create the content to to create a way of that message being shared so really to me the sole purpose of that content is to effectively give that message whatever that might be whether that be for a charity for a business a personal brand it can be for anything but to me it's just effective communication of your message i i love that simplified answer which you just said uh ainsley so it's to communicate a message to a person now does it mean and it's just a follow-up question does it mean that with when you actually create content and the sole purpose of this content creation is it to communicate a message in terms of these are my deliverables this is what i'm trying to sell or is it to educate is it to entertain or is it like a a collection of all it's a, it's a collection of all different pieces of content content strategies can be 
quite complicated and daunting if you haven't seen them before but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried about it if you haven't ever seen one before and you're listening in and you're you're sitting thinking how do I do it all at the one time you absolutely don't have to do that but when we look at content strategies we have different types of content that do different things so for example like you said there if we're looking for something that's looking to convert it might mean that it's got a strong sales message because part of our content strategy might be on paid promotion we might find on paid promotion for example that it's more beneficial to put a direct call to action at the end or in the middle whatever it might be a direct call to action for conversion and there's something that you're looking for that user to do that's still that's still seen as content when we look at organic content what we'll find is a lot of people tend to look at communicating something that'll essentially kind of stop the scroll and we spoke about this in other rooms that we've had a lot um it's a really good way to put it is how do you stop someone scroll uh, we scroll and we consume so much content on a daily basis that to just put something out with no forethought into how we actually grab that person's attention really we're wasting our time a little bit so if we are going to be creating content we need to make sure that there's a strategy there that means that if we put something out we're either looking to emote some kind of emotion now we know the kind of four major are like educate inspire entertain inform um, but it can be anything. It could be it could make someone angry. It could be make somebody happy. As long as you can emote something that'll intrigue somebody to stop and take that little minute of their time that's really getting more and more precious, especially in the days of the internet, then I'd say your content's doing pretty well. I agree. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you so much for that share, Ainsley. My next question for you is that we've been seeing an evolution in terms of content is king i also you know read many other blog posts and articles stating that content is not king guys engagement is king then i come across came across many other articles which stated context is king there are a lot of ted videos also about this then i came across what you said about content strategy being king now i see many brands now currently saying storytelling is king it's kind of confusing which one uh, do you think is more accurate? It's really confusing, isn't it? I think people are always looking to kind of package something as a new idea. <laughs> and actually, it's not. It's it's the same idea. Um, to me, I still see it as content as king. But I see it as content as king because, in my opinion, content underpins all these other things. So that really strong piece of content because that's the human element and I think when the internet's still fairly new like it's not it's not something that's been here for a long time it's it's changes so quickly that it's not something we can kind of fully understand but I think the one thing that people crave online um and it makes digital marketing actually a really kind of fun place to be is that people are kind of crave they're craving human emotion they're craving human connection facebook was built to connect everyone in the world and and all these kind of things there people crave that kind of connection we're tribe animals after all but pack animals sorry so for me that content really sits at the hierarchy of that umbrella and if we look at that piece of content that you've made say it's a video for example if we use that piece of content it's it's been created with a strong content strategy so content content strategy being king then 
we know that there's a really strong why and a really strong purpose behind it and we've thought about that end user and everything that we've done with it so whether it be the colors the graphics the text the calls to action the journey anything that goes into that we've really thought about it from the user's point of view then yeah at that part of it the content strategy is the king when we look at the storytelling as king it underpins it by our content strategy so our content strategy is there to help us build that story and really build that snapshot of who we are as a brand as a person as a business whatever it may be um that storytelling aspect of it really helps us to kind of dial up the the emotion behind it and the why and the, the kind of power of the mission statement and the goals whatever that that might be whatever your messaging might be then you've got your context as king that comes into that as well and your engagement being king the cool thing with engagement being king is that it shows that we've moved on from this almost vanity period on social media where follower count for example was the biggest thing whereas now we're moving on to actually you can have 300,000 or you can have 3,000 and actually the biggest thing is that those people want to hear what you have to say doesn't really matter about how many people are there it matters about how many people want to hear what you have to say so in that sense engagement yeah is king at that point of that process so all these things probably are true to an extent and they're part of the journey but they're all still underpinned by that one piece of content. They're they're all still underpinned by that that piece that that end user sees, and they go, "That's a really great piece of content." So to me, content's definitely still king. I I love how you simplified and explained all of those different layers. And yes, it's of course confusing to many, but you know uh, the part. Uh, you know, which really stood out from what you said is that we are craving for connections. Okay. And uh, the, the whole point of creating content is keeping the end user in mind. You know, we can't uh, disagree on that factor and a rich content or a content which is being created for the end user in mind will be definitely engaging, will have context, will have a strategy around how it is marketed and will also have a story around it. So as you said, you know, it's all pinned around it and that really kind of, you know, narrows things down making still content uh, the king and i actually did a poll on this on linkedin as well we kind of kind of came up with the same results so people are actually saying uh, from the votes i have received that content is still the king so i appreciate uh, you sharing that ainsley so let's actually move on to my next question now since we kind of have a good understanding of what is content and its sole purpose uh, do you think too much of content is good or bad for the audience. Now, before you actually answer it, I also want to actually play a video which I stumbled upon uh, on on actually on YouTube. This is actually by Gary V. So give me a second. Let me just open up that link. And he speaks something very, very uh, profound in this video. So I like my audience to actually hear this. I, I think you should be posting based on what you're trying to achieve in your career eight to 15 times a day on LinkedIn. Get out of here. Yep. And that's not going to be overkill, you don't think? It's not no. spamming people? No, because people aren't going to see it all. Right. What people don't understand is the algorithm. The thing that people haven't figured out is the algorithm is on the side of the person that's consuming it, not on the side of the person that's making it. Interesting. That's a good and point. And so the algorithm is going to, you know who it's going to overkill? the 49 people on earth that think you're the greatest thing of all time and they're gonna see all 15. They'll be fine with it, that's fine. They're gonna be pumped. Right. I'd like to get 49 pieces of content from Randy and the Macho Man Savage in 1988 every day of my life. <laughs> you know, so 
No, the, that's why the algorithms work. People blame the algorithms, like, fuck you, algorithm. I'm like, mm -mm, the algorithm's there for the people. It's consumer-centric. The reason algorithms work is because they're consumer-centric. If you think I'm rad, you're gonna see me because you're gonna slow down when you're consuming it. You're gonna consume, you're gonna like, you're gonna comment, and that's an indicator that you're gonna see it. Okay, so that was the video which I wanted to play. Small snippet. I, I found it very interesting. So would you like me to rephrase my question again, Ainsley, or did you get that? No, no, go for it. We can rephrase, please. Okay, so my, my question is that, you know, since we have an understanding what is content and its purpose, now, do you think too much of content is good or bad for the audience? And the reason I, I specifically played that clip is because, you know, I'm keeping the end user in mind as a designer. Okay, mm -hmm. we can confuse them. Uh, if you throw too much content, we can confuse them with too many choices. It could be distracting. Okay, it can also lead to information overload. And your audience may have an attention ceiling, right? If you think about it. So at what point uh, do you think content can cause an, cause an overload or simply cause distraction to your audience? Here's the thing, right? So I get... Gary Vee's point and I know people love Gary Vee so I won't say anything bad um, but I totally get his point algorithmically we will be rewarded whatever we post by posting numerous times a day if it's not spammy it's valuable content you're not posting the same thing over and over again yes there's a good chance we'll be rewarded by the app and we'll be pushed out to more people however there's a ceiling for everyone and I think what marketers maybe people who aren't marketers don't think about sometimes is that really when people see our content people don't really like to read anymore so people skim things mostly our attention spans are getting a bit smaller because everything's in kind of bite-sized chunks so our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter so when we put out a piece of content we might put it out and think this is really valuable this is really important this is an amazing offer it's going to fly off the shelves and then you hear crickets and nothing happens. And sometimes we forget that people don't care about our businesses as much as we do. There are there are babies, there are children, there are there are things that we're passionate about and not everyone's going to, going to love them or be at the time where they want to buy them. We know that it takes people a number of interactions with a brand before they actually would consider buying. We know that I think the I was reading the other day they said that it would take somebody three pieces of content that they really enjoyed before they would they would attempt to buy something if I remember correctly I think it was three but when we post a lot it probably goes out to our top five ten percent of followers that we have on the app and although Gary B states there are people that probably have a really strong kind of opinion of you and really value what you have to say Everyone has a ceiling. Everyone has a point where they go, that's a bit much now. But I think the bigger thing to take into account with it is, is that our marketing should fit into what we're actually trying to do outside of the marketing. What are we actually trying to market? If we're just marketing, marketing, then it might be okay. But for people who are actually probably going to look to use these things or maybe create their own content strategies and entrepreneurs in different areas, you still need to have time every day to do your actual job or you still need to have time every day to go and speak to your clients or you still need to have time to go and do your work for them. And I can get a little bit sucked into my clients' works and then I forget to do things for myself. But that 
becomes an issue as well because what you'll find is that a lot of people who decide they are going to post three, four, five, six times a day so that they can gain more traction on TikTok, for example, they'll burn out and they'll burn out hard and they'll burn out fast and then they'll have to take a week, maybe two weeks off, maybe they get ill. There's so many people that I've spoken to that have had burnout and I think because I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, I hear it from their side but I would actually be very interested to know it from the consumer side of it as well. We all have um, companies and brands on our social media that you know they're going to post 50 stories a day and you just want to swipe to get away from them because it's too much. So I think there's a there's a sweet spot. I think it really it's about what's consistent for you. I think really it's about what's consistent for your business lifestyle. And then with that, you take into account what actually works for your consumer's lifestyle as well. So if you're hitting gen x and or gen z sorry and they're on social media all the time yes fire it out go for it if you're maybe dealing with people who are a little bit older maybe three or four times a week is enough because they're really more highly engaged when they're on their phone and they're spending more time to actually look at what they want to look at if we're looking at whatever your your audience might be there's going to be times and places where that content makes more sense and just throwing it out there all the time and hoping something sticks to me feels like probably a lot of wasted energy it's true it, it is a lot of wasted energy and uh, i agree uh, with what you're saying that you know the audience does have a ceiling as long as you keep creating a rich content uh, which helps your business explains your story and it is unique and you bring a flavor to things uh, i think your audience is gonna love it now the reason i actually post this question ainsley you know because as you said Let's say that, you know, we started following a company or an influencer and all of a sudden you start seeing the same stuff over and over again. Now, I might like it for once, but if I see, you know, if I keep repetitively seeing it, I don't know. It just feels so awkward. I I, I unfollow that person or that brand because it's too yeah. much. And the thing is, when you first start following that brand, you might be excited what they do. So you're, you'll give them engagement, you'll like, you'll share your comment, whatever it might be. As you continue to see that, here's the thing, right? People are very guarded with their engagement. People are like super, super strict with who they engage with. And rightfully so, because it's a public declaration of approval for a brand. If you comment on things or you like them or you share them you'll actually find it's not particularly easy, especially for a company, to get people to have active discussions in their, their comment sections or DMs. That takes a lot of trust. Um, so if you've got people who are willing to do that, the more you kind of hit them out with just, I'm just going to try and get as much out to them as I possibly can and bombard them with that message, they're going to be more and more guarded with that engagement. And the less that they engage, the less they're going to see. Because the more posts that they see, and don't engage with those algorithms aren't going to show you, show them the next one then so you'll probably find that in that sense you'll turn people off and in turn turn your alg- algorithm off a little bit as well yeah you know and and I, this kind of makes sense uh, to actually you know to have like a target audience if you're willing to actually you know offer your product or your services to the right target group they are not going to feel awkward. They are not going to tune away from it because they would see it as a good fit for themselves. And naturally, uh, they would keep engaging uh, more and more 
with your content. So the idea of having an understanding of whom to market it to, finding that niche, makes a lot of sense, you know, when you think about it, you know, just the way how, uh, you know, how you're explaining it. So I appreciate that share, Ainsley. So let's actually move on to my next question. Now, I want to actually speak about profitability as a factor. Now, who benefits the most uh, when we create more and more content? Now, is it the marketer? Uh, who has the tools and resources? Is it the customer uh, who wants to actually, you know, drive more business? Is it, uh, you know, not the, I mean, I don't mean that. I, what I meant is that, is it the marketer or the consumer on the receiving end? Is it the business who wants to profit and have some lead generation? Is it the social media platform where the content is created on? Or is it everyone in general? It depends on the, really depends on the goals of the content strategy in itself so if we are have a content strategy that's for example based on sales and conversion then we really want to make sure that profitability and that ROI goes back to to the business and that would be how we would make sure that that was successful but if we look at it from a more philosophical point of view then really the the person who should benefit most should be the customer the pe- the person who should benefit should be the person who sees the content neither is so engaged that they want to go and view a product that they might need in their lives or they maybe learn something that they didn't already know can get involved with a community that they maybe would get along with that they didn't have before it enriches their day or their lives in some way so that would really be the the biggest benefit it's not obviously kind of a pros- profitability factor but really that should be who comes out the highest in that stance if we're looking at it from getting a heart-led content strategy um the marketer you find now everybody is a marketer (laughs) so (laughs) you'll probably find there's a lot of especially with this kind of need for so much content and to be engaged on so many different platforms we're seeing now so many for example like ai marketing agencies that the content's created by bots and your copy and by bots and it's less a sense about what you're putting out and more about getting it out there so they're probably the marketers making a, a good chunk of change in that side of it um but really the business and the customer should be the main focus the social platforms benefit when we engage they benefit the longer that we're on the app they benefit when they can monetize they benefit when they can advertise so really if they see your um profiles as a place where they can drive any of that investment then they're kind of quads in anyway but in my eyes really I'm always looking at it from the customer and the business point of view but from business point of view if you take profitability out of it it can be seen as a brand awareness situation if you look at I've worked in fine dining um, and one of the biggest reasons this restaurant was so successful was because it was so instagrammable people wanted to come in people were willing to pay through the nose for what they were selling because they wanted to show people that they were there it wasn't necessarily about the food it wasn't necessarily about the coconuts that were flown over from hawaii it wasn't necessarily about the paste that was flown over from india it wasn't about the fancy marble they had in the behind the bar it was about the fact that other influencers had been there and other people who people wanted to aspire to had been there as well so that was a massive part of their their strategy um it was the aspirational side of it 
So I think it can play a really, really big part in awareness, especially when it comes to kind of brick and mortar stores, restaurants, gyms, anything where there's a kind of community that people can get behind. Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, needless to say, from what you said, uh, the customer still remains the one who would be profiting the most, uh, you know, and all the other components just, you know, layers in just to make that experience richer and richer. I love your share. I just want to quickly educate the audience that we will begin Q&A in about roughly 10 minutes from now. I just have two more questions for Ainsley and then we will start bringing you up. As long as you have a profile, uh, you know, little details on your profile, I should be able to have you up and speak to Ainsley and ask questions. So my next question, Ainsley, is that as a marketer, do you need to have experience in the client industry before creating content for them in their space? Now, does industry experience really matter or is application of marketing strategies or the framework involved? Is it the same for any industry? <laughs> People will disagree with me on this one. <laughs> um Lots of marketers will tell you that they think it's better to stick with one or two related industries um, and be experts within that specific type of marketing. Because although, in my opinion, the foundations are the same, um, there are people who believe that there's certain strategies, or it's it's completely true, not that they believe it's, it's true. Um, there are certain strategies that work better for different industries, which is completely true. However, um, I've worked in lots of different places. I've worked in finance, fashion, fitness, fine dining, um, healthcare, uh, agency. I've done a little bit of everything. And the reason that I've done that was because I didn't want my career to be stopped in one particular type of industry. I didn't want to know everything about one industry. That wasn't That wasn't my goal for my professional career. My goal for my professional career was to be a marketer, wasn't to be a marketer in something specific. And I thought it was very important to make sure that as a marketer who does do things like content creation and a write copy and all that different type of stuff, that I needed to be able to flip the tone. I needed to be able to flip the the um, the voice, the colours, the personality, whatever that might be to fit the specific industry or to fit the specific brand um, I didn't want to get myself too locked in about one specific type of industry where the tones are most likely the same the copy the messaging all these different types of things because if we look at it if two people are selling a cup for example if two people are selling the same mug the messaging is the same it's just how they communicate it that's different and the communication can be completely different so I never wanted to kind of box myself in that way. So I don't think, I think if you want to be a little bit of a rebel, then you should try lots of different industries. All right. I, I love the answer. So one to two industries recommended, but in your case, you like to have uh, different experiences from different industries. So you're willing to actually be open, be creative and, and experiment around. So Ainsley, thank you so much. I appreciate the answer. Uh, my last question uh, for you is that if somebody, if a business owner is trying to hunt and look for the right marketing agency uh, for their brand, what kind of strategies uh, would you recommend or what are the things they should keep an eye on before hiring an agency to help them out? Um, 
God, I could talk about this for hours. Um, a couple of different things. Make sure you ask lots of questions. Um, I think sometimes when people or clients come in, they just kind of expect you to tell them everything. They don't really ask questions. Ask lots of questions. Ask whatever you want to ask. Um, challenge them on some things as well. I think sometimes with marketing agencies, they have very specific strategies that they go with and they just kind of copy and paste them for every client, which is absolutely fine. I'm not saying that's wrong. But if you are looking for more than that copy and paste, then I would suggest to ask lots of questions and challenge them on some things. I would also say to talk to maybe three or four different agencies that do different things. Uh, like I said, you might think that there's a very specific way to get to your goal. You might find there's a completely different way to get to that goal. So I would always say to make sure you're speaking to um, a couple of different agencies before you actually go with the one that you want to go with. Um, oh, let me think they're looking see the thing is I'm never looking for marketing agencies because that's what I do so I don't know what I would be looking for uh, I think really the biggest thing is that this is going to be the type the company who know so much about your brand they're going to be really invested in what you're doing they're going to be really invested in your your why and your how and they're really going to be beside you on that journey which is a really really interesting place to be for a marketer it's a really exciting place to be um but I think that really that means that you need to really trust them and you need to go on with them you need to make sure your personalities match if it's somebody you maybe feel a little bit intimidated by if it's somebody that you think's really strong and you're not going to be able to communicate with them effectively and um, that can probably cause problems in the wrong the long run so I would make sure that your personalities merge well that'd be my three main things Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that share Ainsley. Let's actually do a quick reset guys. Uh, the floor would be open uh, for entrepreneurs or any listeners to actually ask questions to Ainsley uh, about marketing. Uh, you're welcome to come up as long as you have a profile, something to read about. I should be able to invite you on stage. Uh, I did invite a few people from Clubhouse, Tiffany, Weiss, Tiger, Natasha and Brandon. If you guys want to come up, feel free to raise your hand. I did send you invites on linkedin as well uh, i saw shivani uh, did raise her hand just a while back so if you want to come up feel free to raise your hand again i will be happy to invite you up and while we are actually waiting i want to quickly do like a small reset so welcome to the brand identity design podcast i'm your host jason and uh, we are currently doing this series called as the dark side of entrepreneurship today we have my you know my good friend an awesome guest uh ainsley murphy she's an entrepreneur marketeer and founder of peach creative uh, limited ainsley has worked across many industries including finance education fine dining fashion fitness healthcare and uh, she has a lot of experience in you know in marketing which varies from strategic and creative planning alongside implementation analysis and pr management so thank you so much Ainsley for this opportunity once again to have you and let's actually take a small break I'm going to quickly play this audio track and you can use this time to you know maybe have a sip of water and be ready for the Q&A thank you
Thank you. So let's actually start with Q&A. I want to welcome Kendall uh, to the stage on Clubhouse. Thank you so much, Kendall. If anybody else is uh, you know, willing to come up and ask questions to Ainsley about uh, content, overload, is content really king? Uh, feel free to come up. I want to give shout out to Nina. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my good friend Tiffany, Natasha and Brandon. Thank you so much, guys, for your love and support. On, on LinkedIn, I want to shout out to Lachelle Adkins, America Supermom. Uh, thank you so much for your love and support. So let's actually start with Kendall. Uh, Kendall, uh, by being on stage, you're giving us consent uh, to post this uh, as a part of my podcast. So do you have a question? Is there anything you'd like to contribute uh, to this conversation we are having today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thanks for, for having me on. This is great, fantastic. Uh, Jason and Ansley, you guys have been fantastic. The question, so Ansley, you mentioned something earlier about content and about how content overload, how it can't be done. So my question is how do you position or how do you keep people from being overloaded with content while putting out content at the same time. I'm sorry, I missed the last little bit of yeah, that. Kendall, yeah, you were, even I didn't um, understand that question. Kendall, could you rephrase that maybe? Yeah, sure. So with content overload, like I agree with you 100% when it comes to content overload, that con the content itself, like because people aren't seeing it, like they don't see everything that we're putting out basically. So I, that's what like, that's what I agree with you 100% because we're constantly putting things out and we think, Oh, well, because they've already seen it or because they already put it out and have seen it. You piece of older pieces of content and shove that out or, or repurpose it back out or even just copy it and paste it back out again with the higher reach and, and having, um, be, be, so, um, so the dark side of entrepreneurship, I do have a question about, about um, creative, about competition. How do you, how competitive are you, Ansley, as a creative and how do you fuel that energy in your work? Mm. Here's the thing. I'm not hugely competitive in terms of, there's not kind of specific businesses that are like me that I would say that I would be particularly competing against for a business. Um, I don't really look at it from that point of view. I think that there's really enough business for, for us all. And if you do it well, then usually you'll find people who come back and they'll want to work with you again. And I think that's really the, the point where you should be aggressive. I think you're right to be aggressive with your strategies and maybe aggressive is not the right word um what's a better word adamant with your strategies and your messaging so that people can it gets out there and there's not any misunderstanding and misconception about who you are and what you offer but I think that really the looking at it from a competitive side I don't know that's not really an issue for me which is strange because I'm naturally a very competitive person but I think really instead of that being about competing against someone else it's about competing against myself so for example if I've made x in one year I would like to double that and make x amount the next year or if I competed completed 
so many jobs in one year I would like to complete x the next year if I converted so many clients one year how do I do that the next year I think if I was to look at it that way really it's about being competitive with myself and making sure that any time that I complete something I really look back at it and go okay what did we do well what didn't we do as well what can we do better and how do we take this into the next the next job and I think that's probably where I would be more competitive more aggressive when it comes to the kind of marketing side of it hey Ainsley I'm, I'm so sorry uh, I had a little connection that? issue and uh, I kind of lost the LinkedIn live would you mind uh, just repeating that answer one more time I'm so sorry no of course I, I was going a weird roundabout way anyway um yeah I'm not I'm not particularly competitive with other people when I would say that I'm competitive in anything it would be in how I would handle things now and how I'd like to handle them in the future and it's similar to content in the sense that so many people say it but it really is true social media is so fleeting that you can really experiment with anything there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with with chucking something out there and seeing if it sticks or not chucking out without any kind of thought behind it but with testing new things that kind of fail fast learn faster ideas is a really really good place social media is a great place for that um so I wouldn't say that I'm competitive with other people or with other businesses because people who are who like what I do and like my messaging and like the way I speak and like the way I work will come to me if that makes sense <laughs> it sounds really silly but I don't I don't think of it as a as a competition yeah yeah it's so it is you're internally driven and you find these little markers along 100%. the way like these little mile, milestones and that becomes that gap that you that you use to or that next rung in the ladder that you use to, to fuel your weight exactly, exactly. Yeah. you answered it much better than me kendall thank you he was <laughs> kendall do you Thanks. have a follow-up question before we move on to the next uh, speaker Yes, there is one 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 thing that I find interesting about um, as what you and I have in common is we understand the and I'm pretty sure many other people do here as well in this room. I know Brandon does. We understand the aspect of um, the the creative drive that we have as artists to put out great work. We want people to see it, but we also want it to have a result on the end um, for the, for the client and help them get the results that they need, um, to pull back out. So, um, and it's often done, it's easier done now than ever done with, with capital that we have available using money for, you know, pennies on the dollar in some cases, in many cases. So, um, so that's interesting. So great talk, um, and, and, um, and, and great episode as well. Thank you. Thank you, Kendall. I appreciate uh, you joining our conversation as well. I want to quickly acknowledge some of the you know, some of the speakers on, on LinkedIn. So we have Hannah and Judith who have joined the stage. Let's actually go with Hannah first. So Hannah, welcome uh, to the Brand Identity Design Podcast. Do you have a question? Is there anything you'd like to contribute to the conversation we're having? Yeah. Hi, Jason. Hi, Ainsley. Um, awesome stuff. I've been enjoying the conversations that um, you've been having. Um, I've learned quite a lot because I'm also into digital marketing. Um, but one thing that particularly stood out for me was when Ainsley was speaking about um, engagement and content. And it was sort of like a content over engagement. And then the conversation was which 
or is most important. Um, because I recently posted something on engagement and the conversation went in the line of, um, would you rather, you know, be posting content over having engagements? And it was interesting to see people share their ideas on that. But to me, I would have thought, depending on your why, you know, depending on why you're posting the content in the first place, um, that should sort of determine um, what you expect to get from it. So if your why is to get your profile out there, then by all means. But then if your why is to get engagement, um, then you should focus on that. I just wanted to get your, your take on that. I, I totally agree with that, 100%. What I'd said earlier, I think regardless of whether or not you're strongly basing your success on engagement or you're strongly basing it on brand awareness, whatever it might be, really, it's like you said, it's underpinned by the why it's there. So it's underpinned by the reason that it was created. And your your success markers are going to be different for that. You might pe- put a piece of content out, for example that's a nice evergreen piece of content that people can go back to and you can use it in different things and you can maybe you repurpose it on YouTube and it's on your blog and it's on your website and it's on your so- your social media and it's not essentially being put out there for engagement necessarily. Maybe it's been put out there so that when people do stumble across your website or they do come to your Instagram that when they actually click onto your profile, there's a really strong snapshot of who you are and what you do. So that's still essentially a reason for posting that content and that engagement might not be the be all and end all of why it's there I think if we're posting especially social media content because content doesn't obviously just just include social media but if we're talking about social media content then being able to drive high engagement is really important and it's a really great indicator for people to see that you're building a kind of trusted community it's a really good marker to see that people are interested in what you're saying and it tells you that they're craving more of it so it helps to lead you in the right direction especially if you're consistently looking at your numbers and your data if something resonates really well with your audience then find a way to make more of that if something dies in the water then maybe you need to look at how you're actually doing that and do it in a different way um or accent and do something different and that's what i was saying earlier about feeling fast but I think there's definitely other reasons to post and I think not all those reasons are underpinned by engagement but I think you need to be really sure of what that reason is before you post it but yeah I agree thank you very much um I also wanted to add when Jason spoke about what um I would look forward to if I were to pick a marketing agency. I know the question was directed to you, but I just wanted to speak on it. If I was to pick a marketing um, agency, I would look for people who could communicate my brand value. Because um, as a marketer, I feel like a lot of people struggle with communicating their brand values. And so for me, that's a major pointer is really looking at for marketers who are skilled enough to effectively and successfully communicate my values. Um, I just wanted to say that. And once again, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Ainsley. It's been awesome being here. Thank you. Awesome. I'm I'm glad that you know uh, you came on stage and asked that question. Thank you, thank you very much. Let's actually move on to the next speaker on Clubhouse. I want to you know welcome my good friend Brandon. Thank you for being on stage. Do you have a question or is there anything you like to contribute uh, to this conversation? Hey, buddy. Uh, 
I have no question. You invited me up, so um, I'm designing <laughs> and listening. But uh, if I feel like speaking up, I'll I'll take a shot at saying something. All right, no problem, Brandon. Thank you so much. Uh, let's actually move on to Judith. Uh, Judith, welcome to the Brand Identity Design Podcast. Do you have a question, or would you like to contribute to this conversation? Uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, acknowledging me, Jason, and thank you, Ansley, for uh, your contribution. Um, unfortunately, I had a little bit of a wonky connection in and out, so you may have covered this already. Um, I'm kind of hearing a hint of it, but um, I was interested in determining or asking how you determine um, your ROI for your customer base. So, you know, when your clients obviously most clients are looking for um, an increase in brand share or sales or um, something that's pretty tangible. What is it that you do that um, in, in terms of um, supporting your work in tracking? Do you have a specific tool or measurement or percentage, something of that nature? Oh, that's a good question because it changes all the time so for me personally um I'm not a huge fan of marketing agencies who have very very specific um strategies that they use for all their clients for example um it's just not the way I work it's the way other people work and that's absolutely fine but anything that I do with a client is tailor-made so I offer a bunch of different services so I do things like content copy influencer management PR management that kind of stuff um and that can change client to client. So with that, can also the goals can change as well. So when I advertise, I don't advertise, for example, um, the result, if that makes sense. So I don't advertise. I wouldn't say, for example, if you're looking for 5,000 new followers, come to me and I'll give you the best content ever. It's just not really the way I do it. So if I was looking at it, I'd be saying, if people were to need help with this aspect or this aspect, come and speak to me and we'll see what we can do. Um, so I do it that way which means that all of my packages are tailor-made um, and all of my things like timings that I spend and how long things are going to take me and all that kind of stuff is, is determined by what the client actually wants and needs. Um, with that means that this kind of stuff needs to be communicated all the time. It's relatively simple to do. A lot of the time from the point of the actual um, first conversations with the client or from the actual onboarding process, We'll come up with at that point a goal, for example, and we'll have a really, really clear guideline of where when we need to reach that goal by. We'll have a really clear guideline of how long we think that's going to take us. And that's not to say that I would need to hit that goal exactly to be paid, but it's just to say that this is what we're working towards. This is feasible. This is realistic. And this is what we're kind of looking to achieve. With that, what I would then do is I use um, ClickUp which is a project management tool. I keep all of my um, data and spreadsheets in there. So if it was, for example, increased brand awareness and an increase in social media analytics, if that's an engagement, for example, that would then be updated every week and they would then be communicated with on that as well. So they would have a weekly call where we would go over that um, because it might mean that we need, for example, to pivot a little bit. It might mean that we are doing really well on something and we're going to exceed the expectation, whatever that might be. Um, I just make sure I'm really clear in communicating that. But with that, it means that I would give access, my clients have access to anything that I'm working on at any time, as long as they don't annoy me too much. 
<laughs> very, very good. Could you just re repeat one more time the name of that content of, of the uh, content management system that you're using? I didn't quite catch it. So I use ClickUp. So C L I C K U P. Um, it's really great. It works as a CRM. It works as a task tracker, a meeting tracker. Absolutely everything is brilliant. Great. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Awesome. Awesome. So, Judith, thank you. And do you have a follow-up question? Anything else you'd like to ask before we move on? No, that was great. Thank you so much. Awesome. 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 So, I'm just waiting for uh, if anybody would like to show up on Clubhouse or on LinkedIn. This is the time. Uh, otherwise, we would be moving to the next segment of our show, wherein my guest would speak about her business, what she does, what's her value proposition, and stuff like that. So, I'm just going to, you know, play another song, give you guys like a minute, and then we will start the next segment. Thank you. Thank you. So we, since we don't have anybody else who is joining on stage to ask questions to Ainsley, so let's actually move on to the business side of things. So Ainsley, I would like to know what is your company's vision and uh, what kind of future do you vision uh, for your brand, which you're trying to build up as a marketing agency? So Peach was actually created because um, I got a little bit bored of working with not so nice people. <laughs> And I thought, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, so really, Peach is there to work with brands and businesses in a heart-led way. So that doesn't mean it's it's fruity, kind of airy-fairy, fluffy stuff. Um, it just means brands that are there and created by real people and are um, valuable in that way. So brands that really have some form of a motive reason of being there um it's not necessarily only a profit a profitability situation for these businesses they have really really strong missions and and whys and those are the types of businesses that i want to work with so that's that's why that's the company's vision honestly i have no idea what i envision for my brand in the future i would like to say in five years that it was paying all my bills and i was dealing with lots of clients that i love and 
that there was never an issue. That probably won't be the case. Like we all know, um, with having your own business, there's a lot of ups and downs and topsy-turvy bits that you kind of need to go through and I'll probably still be going through them then. Um, but it, I just hope it's still there because I, I love that topsy-turviness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> toxic turbulence ainsley I'm, I'm just curious as a marketing agency how are you marketing yourself to get more business well this is the bit i'm terrible at um i really don't like marketing myself i find it really difficult but for me um social audio is really great because i can just talk to people um so i find that the most comfortable for what i do so i do spend a lot of time here on clubhouse um if anyone else does not know the rooms uh, that we do on a Wednesday and a Friday and the social media exchange. So I spend a lot of time here um, helping people when I can. Um, I do strongly believe in the marketing industry that there's a massive kind of referral and word of mouth push for a business. Um, so I really think it's about making strong and valuable and real connections. So that's that's what we're doing just now. Awesome, awesome. I also like social, social audio apps. I think mm. it's a great way to interact uh, with one another. You can learn quite a lot, uh, I must say. I like the marketing cafe, my favorite, and the social media exchange. So much, so much uh, you know, things you guys speak and touch upon. It is immensely valuable. And it does, uh, you know, it does create that education, that awareness, which you require to run and operate your business. I'm so sorry if I interrupted. Go ahead, Ainsley. No, no, you're you're totally right. I, I completely agree. I've learned um, so much being on this app and I've met so many great people who I would never have had the opportunity to meet before. And when you look at it from that point of view and you look at it actually kind of coming into it as a consumer of something rather than always thinking about it, of how to market yourself, um, it's really interesting to see how much you actually can learn. And when you come in and you, you start speaking with people who maybe don't have the money to, to take to come on as a client or, or anything like that but they come in and they sit and they take notes every week and they come back and they show you the results that they've had it's it's really gratifying so it's a really nice space to be in absolutely absolutely so i mean uh, listeners who are actually listening on linkedin live uh, the url is peach p-e-a-c-h creative.co.uk you should be able to find this on the event notes or you should be able to find it on the show notes when I you know, publish this podcast episode, which will be in about 30 to 45 odd minutes. You should be able to see that. So, so Ainsley, my next question is, uh, is there an upcoming event or a promotion? Anything you'd like to share with my audience and listeners? Um, not anything specifically business-wise, because like I say, it's all tailor-made. Um, but we do have a room later on tonight in a couple of hours. I think it's now around 15 minutes. Uh, we do have our weekly room in the social media exchange where we talk all things social media. Um, it's with our lovely Nina, who's in the audience there, as well as Tiggs, who's also in the audience on Clubhouse. Um, a really, really strong panel of different people with different experiences and different expertises. And it's a nice, safe space if you do want to come in and learn a little bit more yeah absolutely i did try to invite uh takes however you know i don't know it's just maybe just the app but i was not able to do that so anyways uh moving on to the next question i have is how can the audience reach out to you apart from the website link you said is there any other medium people can reach out absolutely yeah of course um you can always get to me on clubhouse because i'm always on here uh linkedin 
um, I am always checking that as well. So you can get me on there as well. If you do prefer email, then it's just my name, Ainsley, at peachcreative.co.uk. And if anyone does fancy texting me or calling me, then my phone number is in my clubhouse bio as well. So I'm easy to contact. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so if if today uh you know let's let's you know if if any if, if people who are actually listening if they want to actually have like a takeaway from today's conversation ainsley what would that be i think if you're going to take away anything from today's conversation content is absolutely still king and it's still one of the easiest cheapest and most interesting ways that we can get our messaging out to the people that we're looking to connect with Um, what I would say is that your first step in that process should be really thinking about that end user who's going to be consuming it take out how much you love your business for a second take out how much you need a sale for a second take out how much you need uh, whatever it is that you might need for a second and really think about it from their point of view the only way that they're actually going to do what you want them to do is if they're engaged and if they enjoy what you're doing so think about them first Thank you so much, Ainsley. Uh, I appreciate you being a guest on my show. I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, the information which you have provided us on this podcast is absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's going to help a lot of marketers and even business owners uh, about content and content creation, everything in general. I, I wanted to thank uh, and all my listeners currently on LinkedIn Live and everybody on Clubhouse. Thank you so much for your love and support. If you're hearing us on Replay or on any audio-based broadcasting platforms like Spotify, Google, or Apple, thank you so much for your love and support. I want to let you guys know that I'm a podcaster, but other than being into the podcasting game, I'm also a designer myself. I'm a brand identity designer, hence the name of the show. And uh, I specialize in corporate identities, visual identities, pretty much the same thing, just different names. So if you do want to reach out to me for my expertise or my skill set, just, you know, just just uh, click on the link tree. It should be on my Instagram bio or the show notes or the event description. Uh, it will showcase you some of my work and how I play around with design and what I create. If you like what I do, do reach out to me. I should be able to help you out, not only with design, but also in strategy. And uh, other than that, I just want to let you know that uh, my season two will be coming to an end on August 17th, 2022. Post that, we're going to take around about 20 to 25 days odd break. We will restart uh, the next season, which is season three from September 14th onwards. I've already posted uh, a link uh, to become a guest uh, on my LinkedIn profile as well as other platforms. So just in case, uh, if you want to be a guest on the show uh you know the size of your following your influence does not really matter as long as you can share a story uh you know speak on a specific topic which brings value to my audience i should be able to have you as a guest uh so so thank you so much guys for your love and support uh is there anything uh, anything else you like to speak on ainsley before we wrap up today's show no i don't think so just thank you so much for having me on it's been a fun conversation for a wednesday afternoon Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. You take care of yourself and uh, stay in touch. Have a blessed uh, morning, afternoon, evening or good night, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much uh, to all my listeners.